0: At the end of each story, I give practical tips and new ideas about how to travel better. This week, I take you to a place deep in South America, where distance and time have stamped their authority. A place which reminds us of our insignificance. On January 17, 1994, at 4.30 a.m. local time, A massive earthquake hit San Fernando Valley region in Los Angeles, about 30 kilometers from downtown LA. It came to be known as the Northridge earthquake. Two strange things happened in its aftermath. There was a sudden outbreak of valley fever, a respiratory disease caused by inhaling of fungal spores. 203 cases were reported and three people succumbed to the disease. It is believed that the spores were carried in large clouds of dust created by seismically triggered landslides. Most of these cases were actually reported immediately downwind of the landslides. But yet another thing which happened as people poured onto the streets once the earthquake hit. There was a power outage for most of LA. Some people left their houses or peered outside to check on their neighborhood. It was eerily dark. No streetlights and a few cars that early in the morning. People had looked into the dark sky to see what some anxiously described as a giant silvery cloud over the shaken city. People panicked. They could not make sense of this giant silvery cloud and called 911. Some even called the Griffith Observatory, hoping that astronomers would make sense of it. What had spooked the residents of Los Angeles was the Milky Way. Owing to the intense light pollution, most people had never seen the beautiful arc of our galaxy. Indeed, as a city dweller myself, I can count on my fingers the number of times I have been afforded the opportunity to see this tiny part of the cosmos. In her book, The Human Cosmos, science journalist Joe Marchand reckons that our fascination with the stars goes back millennia, right back to the Paleolithic age. We have paid meticulous attention to them and experienced them as a source of wonder, admiration and even reverence. The sight of a star-filled sky is a unifying inheritance of our species. About 8,000 kilometers from LA sits a 79,000 square kilometer expanse of land at an elevation of almost 8,000 feet. So persistently dry is this landscape that it receives only 15 millimeters of rainfall every year. At first sight, the Atacama Desert may come across as inhospitable. But its barrenness, its inhospitability is what makes it magnificent. A visit to the Rainbow Valley makes one feel that they are seeing a geological graffiti. Cobalt, gypsum and other minerals provide a cornucopia of colours green, blue, pink and yellow. Travel further and one could visit the Moon Valley. It has an eerie extraterrestrial appearance, all cracked earth and unfriendly terrain with pillars of salt torturing the thirsty soil. But all one needs to do is shift their gaze. As the sun descends and one looks up, you will see the Atacama Desert bathing in a soft glow, making it one of the global hotspots for stargazing. The near complete absence of light pollution produces gloriously clear night skies. In fact, so perfect are conditions that the European Southern Observatory operates two bases here, La Silla Observatory and Paranal Observatory, windows on worlds beyond worlds. But isn't it strange? We need to be away from all our markers of civilizational progress, electricity chief amongst them, and go to the quietest, most barren, and almost inhospitable place to hear and see the faintest echoes of the world beyond us. We need a piece of land bang in the middle of nowhere to peer into the cosmos and see everywhere. But once again, I want you to shift your gaze and look at the desolate earth of the Atacama Desert. It only supports a few hearty species of lichen, algae, fungi and bacteria. They mostly survive by clinging to mineral and salt deposits that concentrate moisture for them. These microbes often enter states of suspended animation during dry spells, waking up only when they have enough water to get by. So in 2017, when a freak rainstorm swept through the Atacama, it led to a wildflower bloom. Kilometres upon kilometers of the desert were carpeted by flowers of various hues transforming the landscape, showing shades of the rich biodiversity of the nearby Patagonian region. Water truly gave life to a once barren land. But those microbes who survived on mineral and salt deposits met with a cruel fate. Majority of them in the soil were wiped out. The scientists trace this massacre back to the very thing that allows the microbes to survive in the Atacama, their ability to hold water. Under normal conditions, their miserliness pays off. But when faced with a glut of water, they can't turn off their molecular machinery and guzzle until they burst from internal pressure. But what's the big deal about a few microbes perishing when there was a wildflower bloom to be had? Well, these microbes could be the closest analogues to life on Mars. As we now know, Mars wasn't always a dry planet. For its first billion years, it had vast liquid oceans and plenty of mineral nutrients. The drying out may have taken eons with long periods of water scarcity, punctuated with short periods of abundance. Simply put, the rainstorms in parts of the Atacama Desert were an accelerated view of what may have happened on Mars. The uniqueness of the Atacama lies in its ability to allow us to look at planets and stars light years away. Standing on that very ground, one could look down and study closely what could have happened on Mars billions of years ago. I hope to visit the place someday to see how both distance and time, in the most cosmic way possible, stamp their authority on the Atacama. I hope to see the insignificance and magnificence of our planet, of us.